The weekly text-based Tanya, what chapter are we on? 44. 44, very good. Today's learning is Lili Nishmas. Raphael Zev Ben Eliezer HaKoyin. So the learning today should be Ruschos is Neshama. And uh, if you want to make a bracha, we have... Uh, Zainus and drinks here. I have a little fruit smoothie here. What is this? Green energy. Green energy. Okay. So since chapter 41, we've been speaking about... What have we been speaking about since chapter 41? Love and all. Love and all. Very good. Very good. That is precisely the answer I wanted to hear. In fact, <laughs> there's only one way you could have answered better. Than what you said. Oh, on love. <laughs> yeah, that would be the only way you could have done it better. And the only reason I say it's better is because in chapter 41 he says you have to start with the awe, start with the respect and the boundaries, and then the love, which is important in interpersonal relationships as well. Okay, and we've spoken about, yeah, meditation is the tool that we use to create emotions. And we spoke about different meditations. Different meditations means, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people, when they think of meditation, they think of zoning out. So they're like, what are the different meditations? Like different positions that you sit on the floor in? And they don't understand that meditation here, especially in a Chabad context, means different subjects for contemplation. So we've spoken about different subjects for contemplation, different ways to trigger different love and awe. And we're going to continue with more stripes and varieties and flavors of love and awe. Perek Memdalit, chapter 44. V'hine, kol medreges avo, mi base medreges elu. These two levels of love that we've spoken about, he's going to tell you what they were, but who remembers last week from chapter 43? What are the two kinds of love that we spoke about? Very good. Very good. Yeah, excellent. She said, ava selam and ava rabba. So actually, he said it in the reverse order. She said the lower and then the higher. He really he first says the higher, and then he's like, "But don't worry about that." And then he's like, "And then the lower." Yeah, Avaraba, also known as Avabetainugim, is the higher level. It only comes as a matona, as a gift from above. Automatic gift. Yeah. And then the lower level of love, which is generated through contemplation, called Avas Elam. Not eternal love, like la'olam vod, but olam like the world. And that is a love that you get through contemplating. Avas olam is through contemplating. <coughs> but what about Hashem? Because there's a million things. The creation of Hashem, which is the world. Thinking about the world. And then redirecting or reappropriating the love that you have for things of Hashem's world and uh, realizing really that ought to go toward the one who created that world. So somebody asked that last week as well. Where does Ava Mesoteras come? Oh, you weren't here? Oh, okay. And what did I say last week when someone said, what about the Ava Mesoteras? What did I say? You remember? I said, well, that's what Avamisateris does mean innate, but I said it's a perfect question that you're asking, and we're gonna we're we're coming up to it, yeah. So you're asking the right question because it is gonna come up on its own, but but not just yet. But perk up your ears because it's coming. Okay. So he says these two levels of love, Avarabah v'Avaselam, the higher level and the lower level. Can be further subdivided into infinite subdegrees. Each person according to their level. In other words, there's many different versions of these loves as there are people, and probably more. Like two Jews, three opinions. There are probably <laughs> as many different ways of experiencing these loves as there are people, and probably more, because probably each person is capable of experiencing it in different ways, depending on the humidity. I know for me, the humidity affects my my ava and my yira. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. 
Oh, I say these things not to be funny, by the way. I just want everyone to know. I, I mean, I know it's funny, but I mean it really seriously. I know it's funny, and I know why people laugh, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to confuse anyone to think that I'm being silly. I'm being, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm being, yeah, I'm, so I'm saying, avas elam is like this catch-all phrase that if you really want to get technical, probably includes in it, in, well, he says infinite, like, so I was going to say, probably includes more different actual types of love than you could count. That's what he said, Lane Ketz. It, yeah, more than you could count. But there, there's a rubric within which you can fit these types of love. So basically, we're, we're speaking in categories. That's also a helpful thing to know when we're talking about these spiritual concepts. They're so fluid and so abstract and so nuanced. <coughs> Just remember, all these words that we use are labels for general categories. Don't get too technical and try to nail everything down and put it in a box. These are just helpful labels, but where one category overlaps with another category or sometimes even where the higher level of one category could be even lower than the lower level of a higher category. Am I really confusing you now? There's a lot of overlap. Just be, just what I'm saying is just relax. Okay. So at any rate, there's a lot of different types of subdegrees of these loves. Like the Zayar says about the verse, where does it say, where's the verse? Which is from where? Yeah, Mishli, very good. Excellent. Her husband is known at the gates. But the Zayar says, the husband is Kuchabrihu is the holy one. The husband was known, not Bisharim at the gates, but the sheer, the amount that each person is able to muster. In other words, Hashem is the husband who is known relatively. Each person knows Hashem on the level that they're capable of knowing him. And that level also grows through a lifetime as well. So it's not just each person, it's each, each person on any given day will know Hashem at a different level. So all these levels of love are all proportionate to our capacity to know Hashem on that particular day. That's why love and awe Awe and love, actually, says here. Awe and love are called the hidden matters that belong to God. It's what I was saying before. It's like, don't try to nail it down so much. These are very fluid, abstract concepts. Their definitions change and overlap. Don't get too... Don't try to nail it down. But Torah and mitzvahs, on the other hand, Torah and mitzvahs, are the revealed matters for us and our children to do. In other words, you want to talk about love and awe, no problem. I love to talk about love and awe. Just don't get too attached to definitions because they're fluid and relative. You want to talk about halacha, oh, no problem. That, we could be very technical. There's a right way of doing something and a wrong way. I know a lot of people get offended by that. A lot of people who are into the personal relationship with Hashem, I'm spiritual, not religious, those types, and they get very offended that there's a correct or incorrect way of performing a mitzvah. But, you know what? I know a lot of people who are into the technical side of halacha who get weirded out by the love and awe. So, <laughs> so Hashem made all types. Hashem made all types. But we got to be both. we got to be both. we got to know which stuff is which. The love and awe is nice to learn about. More than nice to learn about. It's vital to learn about. Just understand these are abstract concepts. And then as far as practical Judaism, okay, you want to be very, very rigid and you want to say right or wrong, how do you do it? Give me the actual parameters. How much of this do I have to eat? And what amount of time in order to do the mitzvah? No problem. We can quantify stuff when it comes to mitzvah observance. But when it comes to love and all, it's like, it's very hard to quantify. It's a very personal thing and it's different for each person. Like I said, it could be even different at different moments for the same person. Okay. We all have one Torah and one law. Talking about halacha. 
When it comes to action, which makes sense because when you're talking about action, and don't get me, get, get into, give me any of that quantum stuff, okay? I'm not interested in that right now. You're talking about from like a Newtonian physics point of view, the world of Misa, of action, you could pretty much only do one thing one way at one time, okay? You can't. Look, Beis Hill and Beis Shammai are both right. But when it comes to Hanukkah, you can only light one menorah one way. So, when it comes to Halacha, everything is basically, it is what it is. Not so, when it comes to on love, it's very dependent and very personalized on the person's capacity. How much das they're able to have in their heart, in their mind, and in their heart, like we said above. Okay? So please just understand that this emotional stuff is very hard to pin down. If you ask about a halacha, yeah, either I could tell you, you were yetza, you were not yetza. You, were, you, you did it or you didn't do it. But it comes to uh, love and awe, you know, did I have the love? Yeah, you did. Well, no, did I really? Well, compared to the way you'll have that love tomorrow, no. But compared to the way you're capable of doing it right now, yeah. Well, I just want you to quantify it. I can't quantify it. These, these things are very abstract. Okay. <coughs> Why is he saying this at this juncture here? However, there is one type of love. After he gives us this preface, now he throws you for a loop, and he says, however, there's one type of love which actually contains within it all the different levels of Avaraba and Avaselam, the higher love and the lower love that we learned about last week, last chapter. And it is equal for every Jewish soul, which is funny because we just said that love is so different for each individual. And, ha- and now we're saying there's this love that is universal and equal for all Jewish souls. And where do you get it from? It is a Yerusha, it is an inheritance, a bequest that we get from the Aves. Here we go. Very good. So you heard, but that's very good, you heard the cue. When we say Yerusha, a love that's a Yerusha, you're, you're, oh, hold on, I remember a love that's a Yerusha, chapter 18. Yeah, okay, so now we're getting to Avamisateris. Very good. He, he didn't use the word Avamisateris yet, but you recognized it from that term, Yerusha. Very good. Excellent. Vahainu, and this is namely, Mashakosav Azayar al Posik, Nafshi Visicha Balayla Vagaymer. The Zayar explains on the Posik, on the verse from Tilim, My soul, I yearn for you at night. That's what the, this love is called. It's a long name for a love. Nafshi v'sicha balayla. My soul, I yearn for you at night. That's the name of the love. What? I have no idea what it means yet. I'm just telling you the name of it. That's it. My soul, I'm speaking to my soul. My soul, I yearn for you, my soul, at night. That's what the verse means. Okay, and the Zayar explains what is that level of love described by that phrase in Tilim. The Yarchim Lakutshabricho Richamusa the Nafshavarucha that you love Hashem with a love of your Nefesh and Ruach. Kamodis Dabku Ilain Bagufa Vagufa Rachim Lain Vakulu. The way that um the, how should we translate this? Uh, the way that the soul, the nefesh and the ruach, cleave to the body, and the body loves them. In other words, um, the basic desire of the body to be enlivened by the soul. Survival. You want to know something morbid that I say every time I teach this? And I always say it because in this generation, everybody is so depressed. And they say, well, not everybody wants to live. You're right, 
on a cerebral level, a lot of us don't want to live. But you take a depressed person and you try to suddenly drown them and they'll fight back. Now, after they're finished fighting back, they'll be like, why did I fight back? I wish I died. So there's a survival instinct. It's hardwired. The body wants to live. Now, I wouldn't have had to say that 100 years ago because everyone 100 years ago knew that everyone wants to live. Well, they, were, they, they spent a lot of energy on survival. So they all knew they wanted to live. Yeah. So in this generation, we all think we want to die, which is true on some level. There's a part of us that is morbid and self-destructive. Freud called it the death wish, which I believe is actually the... You want to hear my theory? Is that Freud was talking about the desire of the nefesh for self-annihilation not in a self-punishing way, but its desire to become subsumed in the oneness, to lose its separate selfhood. And that's what he was, he didn't have words for. Because he, uh, yeah, you know, Jung, he part from Freud because of spirituality. Jung was very into spirituality as essential to mental health, and Freud, being Jewish, could not afford that luxury. Being Jewish, he could not admit that spirituality had any real place in the human experience. It's funny how, how much Jews will fight with their own Jewishness and then have a huge disproportionate influence on secularizing the entire world just because they're uncomfortable with their own Jewishness. He was married to a very religious woman. Who, Freud? Yeah. Yeah. Her father was a rabbi, and he didn't want her to light those Shabbos candles. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably very threatening, yeah. Yeah. What? No, Freud grew up in a secular, uh, yeah, very comfortable in, in, in uh, I mean, during one of those periods in history where, no, he was not persecuted. No. <coughs> At any rate, so the soul or the body wants to stay alive. The body wants the soul. Don't get distracted, okay? I know I'm very interesting and all my little asides are podcast worthy, okay? But don't get too excited about it. Let's stay back on topic. Okay, don't worry about it. Just let's stay very, very, very focused. The body wants the soul, right? Let's just keep it really simple. The body wants the soul, right? Okay, right? The body wants the soul. So just remember that. That's what it means, my soul, I yearn for you. Who's speaking to whom? The body speaking to the soul and saying, I want you because you're my life. I don't want to die. Kloima, that is to say, now we're going to shift it. Okay? On a higher level, you, Hashem, are my soul, my life, nafshi. my real life. Therefore, Vesicha, I yearn for you. Pirush meaning, Shani Mesavavt Vitoiv Lechoka Adam Mesav Lechai Nafshay. I yearn for you like a person who's yearning for his life force. Shulchalish, for instance, if he's sick and weak, Umuuna Mesavavet Toiv Shitashud Nafshay Elav. A person who's weak and he doesn't have his life force, he yearns for his life force to uh, to return to him. So that's what we're describing. The, the love of Hashem that is akin to the body's yearning for the energy of the soul to fill it. We want Hashem. Why? Not because of Avaseilah, because Hashem created everything and everything's so exciting. But hold on, why are you excited about the things He made? Be excited about Him Himself. That's a whole meditation. This is much more simple. You have a hardwired desire not to die, to be alive when you're not overthinking things, okay? That simple desire for your life force is the most basic desire for Hashem. You want the life force because He is the life force, period. Simple as that. This is what we're saying, yes. So this is the love <clears throat> that we're describing now. It is a love of Hashem that is, first of all, universal. We called it Shavalachal Nefesh because it is just the basic desire of the organism to maintain its life. 
when he goes to sleep. He hopes to be re-energized by his sleep. A tired person. Imagine a tired person. In such a way do I yearn for the infinite light. The true life of all lives. That when I get up in the middle of the night to learn Torah, I'm yearning for my life to be returned to me. For Hashem and Torah are totally one. Torah and Hashem are totally one. At any rate, the point is, I'm loving Hashem, I'm yearning for Hashem, the way on the most basic level the body wants the soul to keep it alive. Like the Zayar says, the boy Barnash Merechamusa de Kuchabrihu, Lameke Bholaila, Lishtadla, Bulchone, Bipulchone, Ad Safra, Hulu. Person gets up every night. It's talking about people get up at midnight and serve Hashem until the morning. Okay, so that is the type of love that is sort of like the Avamasuteris that we learned about back in chapter 18 and chapter 19. It is similar because it is a Yerusha. In fact, it's not just similar, it's the same love, really. But it's... An inheritance, yeah. Meaning, as opposed to what? Why, why does he highlight it's an inheritance? Cultivating it through meditation, right, very good. Like Avasalam, you have to actually go engage in that cognitive exercise in order to create that love. This, he's saying, it's already there. In fact, it's the most basic instinct that's just hardwired. You don't want to die. Now, there's a certain little bit of cognitive exercise required here because you do actually have to be intelligent enough to make the analogy that your desire to not die actually is, here's a little bit of a cognitive step, um, your desire for Hashem who is that life force or the source of that life force. So you have to actually be capable of making that association. Ah! This desire that my body has for life is ultimately a basic expression of my desire to have Hashem, the life of all lives, present in my life. That's just a very generous thing to say. Yeah, right. Yeah, but he's making a statement that this is already universal. And, and I think it could be demonstrated. Like I said, even, even a depressed person, if you, sudden, if you sneak up on them suddenly and try to kill them, they'll fight for their life. Yeah, but until then, they're still struggling. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's not my point. To the, to the contrary, that only, that only amplifies the point. So Somebody could tell, the, tell you they're suicidal, and a second later you try to run up and murder them, and somehow their body will fight back. And after they fight off the attack, they'll say, why did I do that? I wish I died. But it's amazing, it's remarkable that there's this basic desire for life. Yes, correct. Isn't it self-serving? Yes, it is self-serving. Well, it's only a manipulation if you don't believe that these two things are really related. But he's saying that these two things are not only related, but they're the same thing. Correct. So he's saying just JFYI, uh, he says, I'm not getting into a whole theology class right now. We're not talking about the greatness of God, the greatness of his creation, and all that, that Abbas Elam stuff you could contemplate another time. He says, I just want to tell you on a really simple level, this desire that you have to not be weak and tired and exhausted and drained, the desire that you have that your energy should be within you, you should feel alive, you don't want to feel drained, you want to feel energized. He says, okay, what is that energy? That's Hashem. So you already desire Hashem. 
is just another tool in the toolkit. If you don't want to use this, you can go back to Ava Salem. Or you can wait around for Ava Rabba to kick in. Okay, and if you don't like this one, we have another one in the back. He's going to whip out another Ava. Okay, get ready. Which is the best one for high humidity? High humidity? It really depends. Some people thrive on that. Okay. <laughs> Now we have a greater love, a love that is greater than that. It is similarly also an inherited love that every single Jewish soul has installed. Like when you get the, not that I've used a Windows computer in over 20 years, but you get the right, get the Windows Office Suite when you get the right. You get Microsoft Word. I still, I've been using a Mac for 20 years, and I still have to get the Microsoft Word for Mac. It's so dominant. I remember back in the <laughs> 90s, the, every computer, every computer was a PC would have Microsoft Word. I don't know why that's my muscle for it, but anyways, so. Yeah, what's the question? Uh, were you talking about Jewish souls or just... Jewish souls. The basic desire. Because you're talking about an inheritance that you got from your fathers. So this is a family thing. These are the people who are the spiritual descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So this is an inheritance we got from the from the Aves. He, <clears throat> and it is what is referred to in the Raya Mehemna. Raya Mehemna is a section of Zayir. Like a son who strives for his father and mother. Whom he loves more than his own self and soul and spirit. This is filial love, filial devotion. The son who loves his parents. You're going to say, again, this is even worse than the previous thing, because today everyone will say they don't want to live and they don't love their parents. <laughs> All the basic things that the Al Rebbe used is like, we don't even have to discuss it because it's so universal and we live in such a world today where all these basic universal things are in question. It's like, everybody likes to live? No, we don't like to live, right? And we're not even being contrarian, we're that messed up. But hold on a second, let me illustrate this, just like I, ex I explained before, everyone wants to live, okay? And I told you how I could prove that. So everyone loves their parents. No, I hate my parents, that's why I'm in therapy for 30 years. Okay, let me explain something to you. Even somebody who hates their parents loves their parents which is why you're in therapy for 30 years. You're not in therapy for 30 years because of all the other people you hate. <laughs> there is a basic, fundamental, natural connection to love your parents. And when, for whatever reason, that becomes difficult or impossible, it causes huge disruptions, precisely because it's such a basic, normal thing. Well, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's how you know you're in a relationship. How do you know you're in a relationship? Right. That when you hate somebody, you don't just move on. Exactly. Right. Even if you don't talk to them anymore. So is this Avinu, this filial love? We're, we're going to get to Hold on a second. Okay. So, we have this basic love. A child has this basic love for their parents. Now he says, Ki haloi of echod lukulonu. Do we not all have one father? So similar to nafshi v'sicha, where you take your basic desire for life, and you transfer it over to, you don't even transfer it, you identify that it is a desire for Hashem. 
So similarly, here, we say you take this phenomenon of the love that a child has for a parent and you realize that that is really the love that we have for our Father in Heaven, for Hashem. Again, what do these two loves have in common? That they are building on something that's universal, that's already in the, the factory default settings. Like I said, it's like getting Microsoft Word with your Windows computer. It's already there. And although who could dare approach the level of love, even a thousandth of it, that the faithful shepherd, that means Moshe Rabbeinu had, meaning these paradigms really originally in context to describing Hashem, uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's relationship with Hashem, there is at least a smidgen, a tiny degree of it that we are able to experience. Which shines into the general body of Jewish souls in every generation. Like it says in Tikkun Isaiah, there's an extension of Meshurabeno in every generation, to illuminate the generation. However, this extension of Meshur which is present in our souls, is in a hidden state. And in order to bring it out from its latent state into a, a revealed state, so that it should actually be felt in your heart and mind, it is not wondrously removed from you. But it is accessible, it is near to you in your mouth and in your heart. Remember, this is from the title page. This matter is very near to you. In your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. What does it mean is near to you? That it should be habitual on your tongue and in your voice to summon up this intent in your heart and in your mind. That means to regularly delve in mentally to these matters about Hashem. That Hashem is our true Father and the source of our life. That's referring to those two types of love. And to arouse in your heart the love for Hashem, which is like the love for a father. So anyways, he's saying, it's interesting, these are based on factory default settings, but they require some degree of mental exercise. Sort of hybrid between the Ava Mesuteris and the Ava that we bring about through meditation. Because it's not made whole cloth from meditation, like Avas Elam is, but it is, uh, it does require some degree of meditation. He says, however, it's not so hard. If you habituate yourself this way, it will become second nature. And even if you think you're fooling yourself and that it's not authentic, don't worry. Because it really is true. Deep down, the Ava Misuteris is there. The love of Hashem is there. In other words, don't think you're faking it, that you're fooling yourself to think that you're creating this love because you don't have to create this love because it's already installed in you. So don't worry about that. It's just bringing it out into a revealed way so that it actually gets translated into action. What does it mean to bring it into action? It means the Torah you learn, the mitzvahs that you do because of this love. To give pleasure to Hashem, like a son who wants to give gratification and wants to give nachas to his father. 
So in a, at any rate, the love is there no matter what you do. It's just the activating it that's going to require uh, your work. Yeah. Avamisateris is not a meditation, though. He just calls it to remember. He calls it remembering. I thought it means a trigger. No, his whole point. No, then what would be the point of it? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's go back to that. But I want to do it in 60 seconds or less. (laughs) The point of the Avamisateris is not that it gets triggered by a case of martyrdom. That is not the point. That's an illustration that it is there... It is there because we see that non-observant Jews will give up their lives throughout history in order to remain Jewish. So that's the proof that the phenomenon exists. That's not what he says to do. He doesn't say to hire uh, the Spanish Inquisition to creep up on you. But that's not his point. No, 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 no. The trigger is the illustration that the phenomenon exists. As far as an avoida, what he tells you to do about it, he says to remember that it's there. To remember that it's there. When you'll remember, without a trigger, that's his whole point. If you're going to wait around for a trigger, then, then he didn't give you anything. <laughs> but what he's saying here is this is not remembering something that's already there. This is using something that's already there as your subject of meditation, which is a little bit of a hybrid. Because it is meditation, but it's meditating on something where you're already working with a certain baseline. So the remembering is the activation? The remembering, the true Ava which we call the, the short way back in chapters 18 through 25, yeah, you activate that love just by remembering that it's there. Here, you're building on it through some type of mental exercise, but you're building on it. It's already there. So it's like a hybrid. It's not straight meditation, but it's not straight triggering. We'll call it triggering, but it's not really triggering. It's an internal activation of the, of the hidden love. So this is a hybrid, which is exactly what you asked before we started the chapter. You're like, hey, what's up with Ava Vesitetis? So this is what he's up to now. Okay. Balzeamru. Regarding this, it says, that Hashem includes or matches a good intent to a deed, that gives the action wings to fly above, like we spoke about earlier. We said, was it chapter 17? It's either 16 or 17, that Sometimes you can't achieve real Ava or real Yira, but just the desire to do so, if it's enough to bring you to action, so that can serve as wings for the mitzvah. (laughs) And he's saying the same thing over here. Just the fact that you consciously think about these loves, so whatever the outcome as long as it gets you to do what you need to do, so it is serving its purpose. And the pleasure that Hashem has for His part, and that you could also vicariously have for your, on behalf of your soul, is like the metaphor of the, the king's son who was in prison and comes out. Or, what we spoke about in chapter 33, about having joy, about Hashem's joy, that He's getting a dwelling place in this world. This level, the first level we spoke about today, it is not that hard to activate it if you habituate yourself to do so. However, let's say you're not able to manage to bring it out. Nevertheless, Then, fine, just think about it, and that'll count as if you actually connected with that level of love. So you're going to tell me, I thought about it, 
and I didn't feel it, fine, no problem. As long as you thought about it, it counts. I mean, as long as you thought about it, and then you did what you're supposed to do afterwards, meaning you actually learned Torah and do mitzvahs, then that counts. But I thought that this is saying that it's just the desire that counts at this point. That the desire to do it is enough to give you the love and the always wins. Well, but that's the whole, the whole, no, 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 that's the whole point about Machshava Teva Kodesh Baruch Mitzvah for Lemaise. Hashem combines a good intent to a Maisa, to a deed. You have to have the deed. You have to have the deed. If you don't have the deed, then you could have really amazing love and awe, and that's worthless. But if you do have the deed, then even very puny love and awe will count, will be enough. You just have to make sure to follow through with the deed. Okay, we're almost finished with this chapter. I'd like to finish this chapter today. These two types of love that we spoke about, and my soul I yearn for you, and like a son who strives for his father and mother. The two loves, my soul I yearn for you, and like a son who strives for his father and mother. Those are the names of those two loves today. Although they are both, he made the point, they are both inherited, they're hardwired in the soul, as well as the awe that's included within them, because it's never just purely love. The love has within it the awe, the fear of separation from your beloved. There's an awe that's included in that love, which is the fear to be separate from your father or your source of life. He says, these loves or awes, awes or loves, are not called tivium, natural, Except if you just leave them alone to be totally instinctive. Then they only lift up the mitzvahs that you do because of them to the world of Yitzira. But if you bring them out to actually feel them, meaning you activate them through meditation, then it's called Rusa de Liba, the arousal of the heart. Then it goes much higher, it goes to the world of Bria, and lifts up the Torah mitzvahs that you do because of them up to that level. In other words, he says like this, if you don't do anything with these two types of love, then at the very least, as long as you act on them, when I say don't do anything, I mean don't meditate on them. You just leave them raw and natural. As long as you act on them and they bring you to do Torah mitzvahs, so it's of a certain level, which he calls yitzira. But if you add to it some type of contemplation, where you meditate on it as a subject of meditation to amplify it, then it kicks it up to another level, it goes up to the level of Bria. Because in order to get these native instinctive loves to come out into your heart in a, in a conscious way, it takes focus, it takes meditation, it takes uh, constant practice. To think about how Hashem is our true father and our true life. True father is that one type of love. True life is the other type of love. Right? Or actually the other order. Echu chayenu mamish, true life. Vavinu hamiti, and our true father. So when you think about how it is true, then you get the best of both worlds. You guys understand this is very, very simple. Okay? There is natural love, and there is intellectually generated love. So chapters 18 through 25 is a prime example of, which is natural or intellectually generated? Natural. And let's say 
previous chapter 43 when it talked about Avasalam, the primary example of intellectually generated. And here in chapter 44, Nafshi Avisicha and Kibrod Yishtadel, what are they? A hybrid. You're taking something that's natural, but you're amping it up through some meditation. You should know what it says in the Zayar. The level of Bria is the nest where Bria, the, where, where Bina, the mother, roosts. He's describing <coughs> anything that is born from intellectual contemplation has that relationship to that world of Bria, which is higher. Higher than Yitzira. Yitzira is just uh, emotional. This is intellectual. V'loy eight. Furthermore, el shebeis bechinas avas elo and iskaras leil hein klulis mi bechinas ava rabo gedela mula midchilu chimosichlim asher ava nikras leil b'shem avas elam. He says, now I want to tell you something even more. These two types of love that we've been speaking about in chapter forty-four, nashiv esicha and kibrod yistadol. These two types of love we've been speaking about actually have within them <coughs> an aspect of Avarabah. Remember from the previous chapter we said there is Avarabah, but don't worry about it because you can't attain it through meditation. So he says, I want to tell you something. These two types of love we're learning about in this chapter, they actually have something that you couldn't get through Avasalam. They have a certain aspect of Avarabah. Right? He says, They have an aspect of Avaraba, not like Avaselam. However, don't think that you shouldn't engage in Avaselam, you still should. In order to get that fire of love to, to shoot up, you should still do the Avaselam to get it, you fan its fire until no water could put it out. Why? Why should. Okay, let me back up. He says. Because these two loves we're learning about this week are hybrids, <clears throat> they have, in as much as they are natural, they have a certain similarity to the Avaraba. Avaraba is also something you can't create. It's not of human effort. It's a matona. Well, this is a Yerusha. <laughs> it's similar in that respect. Oh, so now I can just skip Avasalam. He says, no, don't skip Avasalam. Still, you do all of them. Do all of them. Still do Avasalam, which means intellectually generated love. Why? Because when Avasalam is really raging and on fire, when it is, then it's more powerful than Nafshi Vesicha in Kibrodi Shtadl. Kiyisana Mailas Hazav ala Kesavakhulu Commission is well common, like the advantage of gold over silver. It has a certain gold is silver with fire in it, metaphorically. It has a certain fire in it, certain passion. The meditation is the fire and the passion, as opposed to something that you didn't work for because it's already installed in you, so there's no fire and passion, it's more calm. He says also, this is the whole purpose of life, is to work on trying to create more love and awe. So don't exempt yourself from says, Everybody has to try to contemplate the greatness, the glory of God. According to their capacity, like it says in the Zayar, in Hashem created the world in order to be known. So the purpose of life is to know Him, which means you got to work as much as possible 
intellectually to try to contemplate and to appreciate. So don't exempt yourself from Avaselam that we learned about in the previous chapter. However, <laughs> please appreciate that these two types of love we're learning about in chapter 44 have a certain advantage over Avaselam. You following? The advantage of the two types of love from chapter 44, because they are a Yerusha, they are given to us, then they are greater than anything we could have accomplished on our own. And in that sense, they're similar to Avarabah, which is love that was given to us as well, which is greater than anything we could accomplish on our own. Nevertheless, still engage in the meditations that bring about Avas Olam from the previous chapter because, first of all, uh, when Avas Olam is on fire, then it is a greater form of love than these other two loves. And also, he says, because that's the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to come down into a body and try as much as you can to uh, connect through your, through your own mind, through your own ability to, to contemplate. So don't just skip that and say, oh, great, I got these two types of love that are basically already done for me, like a Betty Crocker cake mix. That's what they are. You know, it's like, oh, you're such a good baker. Well, the secret is a mix, or a cake mix, right? Whereas Avaselam is like, no, you went out and you bought a, a sack of flour and eggs and you know, whatever else. You know, it's much more, or maybe even you grew the wheat. Not sure to think about the metaphor. But, okay? Much more labor intensive. Much more labor intensive. Avasalam is much more labor intensive. Correct. Correct. But because it's labor intensive, it's going to be proportionate to your labor. Whereas Nafshivasicha and Kibrod Yishtadl were given by Hashem, or mostly given by Hashem, so it has that certain capacity that's beyond what a finite being could access. Right, exactly. And so we have both. We have the self-made man and the trust fund baby types of love, right? And we should do both. We should do both. Okay, very good.